Welcome to Outspoken Voices, a podcast by and for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer parents, people with LGBTQ parents, future parents, and everyone else who is part of our family journeys. I'm your host, Emily McGranahan, and I am the Director of Family Engagement with Family Equality Council. Hopefully something that this podcast has made clear is that LGBTQ plus families are so much more than two moms and two dads. The first year I went to Family Week in Provincetown, the largest annual gathering of LGBTQ plus families in the world, that was the first event I went to and I met other LGBTQ families, period. And I remember the first activity I attended, the Youth participants were broken out into groups, and I circled up with the other teens, and we went around saying who was in our family. And it was so exciting to just be in the circle of people and get to say my own family structure, and it'd be like, great, that's lovely, next. You know, it was just so normal, and that meant so much. And I remember that when it was this one particular person's turn, he said he had two moms and four dads and everybody was so impressed. We were all like, oh my gosh, that's so awesome. We're so like, I wish I had that many, like that's so great. And I think that's just a beautiful, unique response that is so special to queer communities that in queer spawn communities that our families are all so different. And for someone to have six parents was a beautiful thing to be celebrated. And so I'm really excited to continue to talk about the challenges, the complexities, and then the beauty of LGBTQ families that are alternative families or intentional families, families with parents who are from the get-go, however that family is formed, intentionally co-parenting together. So I have with me Jeff and Mayeti, who are co-parents, and they are going to share a little bit about their experience, and I'm really excited to have you. So welcome, Jeff and Mayeti. So the question that I like to ask all my guests as we get started, uh, and you can both answer since you share the family, uh, is who is in your family and how was it formed? So our immediate nuclear family yes, is so Jeff my children's father. Uh, we have two daughters, uh, Ababa, um, call her Abby, she's 10, uh, and, and Alice, her younger sister, who um, is seven. And then Jose, uh, who is called Kiki in our family, who is one of Jeff's dearest friends and a dear friend of mine. Um, he's the children's godfather. He's, the, he's definitely um, a member of the family and, and at, at times uh, a primary caregiver. Yeah. And and in addition, so I have four sisters, and um, the girls both have multitude of godparents, which we're blessed with. I mean, like folks who've just been there in um, official and unofficial capacities from day one, um, or we've accumulated along the way. So, I mean, it's very much been a village participating in raising these beautiful kids. That's great. And what are uh, what's one of your favorite things to do as a family? Well, let's see. So the, the way our family is structured, we, you know, where we co-parent and the kids are equally with us each half time, you know, and, and holidays and certain celebrations we'll, we'll share and, or divide and then have parts of the day that we share. And 
So independently, we have very sort of, you know, unique households and ways that we parent and, and things that we do and ways that we celebrate our kids. And, you know, and I, I think both are very meaningful to the kids and to each of us. So for me and the kids, one of the things that we do is um, we spend a lot of time in Provincetown in the summer. And it's, you know, from where we are in Boston area, it's a very easy, um, easy access, but it's also an incredibly, you know, supportive, you know, diverse environment for the kids to grow up in. That, that kind of diversity has been really meaningful to them as well. Mighty, what are your, some of your favorite things to do as a family? In the non-summer months, I think you know, we love to just snuggle and hang out uh, together. So like very, just a lot of sort of physical like in, in affection. And I, that's like my favorite thing is just like snuggle up with the kids and take a nap. Um, I think because there are, you can co-parent and I have them half the time and we have essentially at least two, often three adults in the mix. That the time I have with them is really like quality time where I get to most of the time just figure out like what, what we want to do for fun and, and it's a little bit of a luxury. I, you know, I think the, the breaks that we have built into our co-parenting schedule because they're basically half of the week and they're just half of the week. Um, I'm pretty sort of ready for them when they're with me to just sort of play with them. So I, so I think that's a great, um, advantage to the way we're doing it. Uh, even, even though it doesn't mean sort of less time than other parents have. So, okay, so that's winter. I think it's a lot of cuddling, playing inside. And then summer, we, we really enjoy being outside. I was just going to say, I think that's a, a great point that the um, the time that we are independent and that when the kids are with my Eddie and I'm um, on my own, I, a lot of that time I use for like self-care. I go to the gym. I do the things that I need to get done. But I also, I can get laundry done and grocery shopping and things that allow me when I'm with the kids to like, really just be with the kids and and have that time um provided for like a lot more freedom to just have fun and, and do stuff so it's um it's really one of the benefits of uh, and while it's tough sometimes like i think for each of us as single parents when we're the parent who's like on it's um some of those other responsibilities are lifted by when we're the single person and uh and that time mm-hmm I just want to. I just wanted to add one thing really quickly. Uh, I, I say to my married friends often that um, you know you guys don't always have to do everything together. Like you can give each other breaks, you know. And I recognize that if you're married, you want to spend a ton of time with your partner. But um, it's just something I've noticed that that I feel like a lot of times married folks feel a lot of pressure to do all of the errands sort of together, and and whereas they could just they could just give each other breaks um, and, and maybe be a little less stressed and I also I just think that there are there are challenges that Jeff and I have that married people don't have but then there are challenges that married people have that we don't have yeah well could you uh talk a little bit more about how it was that you came to form your family and how you just maybe decided to form your family in the way that you did we started having conversations very sort of like casually but I think that the you know that thing that we both really noticed in developing our friendship is that we were two people who really felt strongly about um, wanting to have children someday and wanting to have that relationship not necessarily be dictated by a romantic partnership. And so in the event that like I don't get married and settle down, does that preclude me from having kids? I don't think it has to. So we, so we started sort of talking about that as expressions of ourselves 
it sort of developed that like, well, you know, what would it look like if, you know, what are some of the alternatives to becoming a parent? And, you know, and we, so, so this is sort of my take on it was that like, we talked and talked, um, you know, about how we might do this and what would that look like? And, and really after a long time kind of came to the realization that it resembled um, what half of the country um, more or less is experiencing, which is two parents who are raising kids in what used to be maybe a marriage or a partnership that's dissolved. And they're trying to figure out how to, you know, how to share the responsibility of raising their children. And we're doing, you know, we're deciding all of these things about the responsibility of children in advance. And so it's sort of like, you know, the divorce model, but uh, minus the divorce and with very intentional decision-making around protecting kids from, from all of those levels of dismantling a partnership or, you know, struggle that some families face. And so that, so it sort we sort of came to the realization that like, well, what it looks like is like maybe the opportunity to do what a lot of people are already doing, but do it a little bit differently and a little bit um, more fairly toward the children. Mm-hmm. And we were having some of these conversations. How long had you known each other at that point to when you started, you know, saying like, well, maybe we do this together? So let's see, I think we probably, we became fast friends. So we met through friends and I think we became really good friends within months and probably started having these discussions, you know, within a year, under a year. Um, and, and, then they, and it started exactly the way Jeff just described, but um, pretty quickly turned into like, okay, let's see how, you know, how would this work? We spent a summer, um, and I just remember we spent a ton of time in town just daydreaming and planning um, Abby, really. Uh, I think we thought she might be a boy, but we, yeah, we really, <laughs> I feel like P-Town was when we really, we really you know, got serious about it. And then that fall, we decided to, to go for it. I, I think that I hadn't spoken to a lot of the people closest to me about it. It was like these very sort of um, meaningful, intense, and very private conversations, like on the beach, in the cottage, out in the streets, but you're just between my Eddie and I. And then really, like when we decided, it, it was sort of um, like this pre-announcement to, to, to a couple of friends saying, so this is what we've decided to do. And they were very you know, excited for us, but surprised, I think, as well. Yeah, I mean, it was really just came down to it being a leap of faith. And and we left. Yeah. And how is it that what words do you use to describe your family? I know that there's just other folks have used terms of just by co-parent, we're an intentional family, we're an alternative family. Uh, do you have sort of terms that you use when talking about or describing your family to others? Uh, yeah, I just use co-parent really naturally. It just that's just the way um, I refer to myself and Jeff, and I guess maybe alternative family as well. What about you, Jeff? Um, I I found I mean right from the beginning, even though I feel like we, I feel as though I present as a gay man, and so that that it's surprising to me when people make an assumption that we're a heterosexual married couple and that even in this day and age, people jump right to that. So at the doctor's office when we're pregnant or like, you know, throughout our relationship, people always will say, oh, well, your wife. And, and I'll say, no, no, actually, we are friends who decided to create a family together and we co-parent and the kids are with each of us half time. And so that's sort of my, you know, like 
30-second um, elevator speech if I need to give people a different nutshell to or a different parameter to sort of think about it. So, but I, I'm I'm often surprised at the assumptions people make quite quickly. They say, "Oh, two like man and woman with kids," so it must be, you know, it must be this model because I'm only comfortable thinking that way. Um, so I have a couple thoughts. One, I personally somebody really touches me about my sexuality. I will say I'm bisexual, but I don't I don't naturally have a label for my sexuality. And so what often will happen when I describe our family, um, I'll say, you know, basically what Jeff said and, and then if it's appropriate I'll say, Oh, and, and Jeff you know, Jeff is gay and I and I often will just like leave it there and I and I realize that like I'm not explaining, you know, I'm describing his sexuality, but I'm not saying anything about myself because I don't have words for it. And so I've, start, I've tried to be more intentional about that. Yeah. It, it also helps to, like, I mean, I think that when um, I mentioned to people that I'm a single gay dad, which is like um, another truth of our family partnership is that, um, you know, I'm, I'm still also single. And so people will say, oh, so you adopted. And so it, it my my saying to them the context of my family and how my children came to be is is not just a way of like celebrating our decisions and including my Eddie who's like you know without whom this could not be possible and how it all continues to be so wonderful it's it's just to clarify for them like no i mean it's it's interesting for all the acceptance and um sort of perceived intelligence of a progressive community i'm very often asked like very sort of um ignorant questions i i think very smart people about about our family so that's that always is interesting and surprising to me mhm yeah and have those sort of co-parenting responsibilities or the way that you structure your family and your time, how, has that changed now that your girls are older? You know, is that something that looked one way when they were young and looks different now? Do you want to go first? I'll, sure, I'll, I'll go first. I, mean, I think the, the basic st- structure of, of our time with the kids and where, when, where they are has not really changed for, for many years. And so we basically define the week as Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday night. And so there are six, there are six nights. The kids are with just three of them, and then with me, three with three of them. And then we just have a schedule that makes sense to us. So we basically know a year out, maybe even longer, like where the kids are going to be. And then if something comes up, we're flexible with the schedule. It's totally normal for them. They're, they're equally settled in both homes. Well, no, I mean, it's, it's interesting that when we, when we talked about this after, you know, at the very beginning, we, we, I, I refer to them as like our summit weekends where we would like get together and we'd go to the beach and we'd play a racket game on the beach and we'd like work ourselves exhausted. And then we'd like sit down and like talk, talk children and, um, and agree on all these things. But when we decided to really move forward, we met with a family lawyer and, and, you know, had really thought through a great amount of the things that she wanted us to think through. And so we, one of the first things we did was put together what a schedule would look like for, for shared custody and the, you know, and, you know, just like off the top of our heads, we're like, well, you know, Monday, Tuesday would work for me. Okay. Wednesday, Thursday would work for me. And, and, and that schedule has interestingly never changed. It's always worked for us. It's, it's works for the kids. And we just sort of, build our routines around that. And so we're in two 
two different, you know, city towns like side by side and we're just a couple miles apart. And so it's very easy to sort of move back between back and forth between two communities. And so the kids have activities in both communities, gymnastics in one, ballet in the other, basketball. So it's really, I think it feels like one big family and home and, and township to them. And so in that way, and, and then to the flexibility, I mean, we really do, we have this sort of solid schedule looking you know, well ahead and it lets us plan travel and plan different things. But when things come up in our big sort of crazy, wonderful family, like so-and-so's getting married or um, my cousin's coming to town, you know, it's really nice and really flexible and then really inclusive too. It's, it's a great opportunity for, for me to join my Eddie's family and her to join my family and, and share stuff. So it, it works out really well. And what were some, you, you know, you had these, these summits, which I love, I love, I love that term. Um, what were some of those topics then? What, what did you really need to sort of discuss or hash out before, I, as you were just deciding to do this? If, if folks are considering the same things, what did you find really important to discuss first? Well, some of the things, I think we talked about everything, but some of the things that were kind of evident through our friendship were, you know, that we were both spiritual people and where we sort of fell with religion. Like um, Maedis has a, more of a, a formal practice and I have a more of a casual practice. And, and so a lot of the things that I would want to um, sort of foresee in raising my children were were kind of clear by our friendship. Um, but and And those things did come up with the lawyer, but I think more the understanding that, okay, even the most um, like-minded, well-intended people will come to conflict. And how, how would you like to handle conflict when you move forward? Um, so we sort of built in a lot of discussion around mediation if we needed to really resolve something. And so that was a really, you know, again, like a very child-centric, you know, protective way to think about decision-making. So one of the things that really sticks out to me, I'm, I'm originally from Ethiopia, and I um, I grew up in the United States, but most of my family did not, and I did not have a ton of faith that that my family was going to be really supportive. They've actually, for the most part, surprised me. When Jeff and I were planning this, I didn't I didn't expect that. Like that was fine with me. The only people I'm going to let near our kids are the people who are on board and if they're not on board they don't get to have us in their lives and I think Jeff was much more forgiving about that um, and I sort of, that sticked out in my mind like thinking about that and who I was prepared to sort of walk away from or cut out and, and then in addition to everything Jeff talked about I think for me the year or so of discussions Jeff and I had like for me for the most part it was us just supporting each other in like it was a heady thing as much as I wanted to be a mom and knew that I was going to be a mom someday um, a lot of those discussions for me were just like, really, are we going to do this? We can do this, you know? And then like having a version of that a, a lot to the point until we got to the point where we were like, yep, we're going to do this. Yeah, and you both now have talked about this as well, but how have other your other identities factored into, you know, some of your family decisions? So how does, you know, you've mentioned uh, faith and ethical sort of like moral uh you know things that are important to you and your family and race and socioeconomic status you know like all of the different pieces that that form our identities um how 
how have those intersected with your family and possibly how your family then exists in this wider community that uh, perceives different identities in, in, in complicated ways? Um, that's a great question. I, I think as the kids, it's so interesting, as the kids are starting now to think about identity, and Alice, the little one, will say, Mom, is everyone in this car an African-American? And, you know, so it's really neat to see them sort of start to think about, like, start to understand, okay, Mom has this history, Dad has a different history. How do we fit in? The, the, the main thing that I have noticed is that as different as Jeff and I are as people, um, we don't we don't have a ton of conflict over how to read the kids, and it, and it doesn't. And we also don't have to have a ton of conversations about it. So it feels like on the big things, we're we're naturally kind of on the same page. Yeah, uh, I, it's interesting because like a lot of the things that that come up for us in parenting, you know, are I hate to use the word normal, like things that a lot of parents experience, like our, Alice, our youngest, who's seven, um, has lately been talking about death. And so asking questions and saying, making comments. And because it's just coming into her, her understanding of the world differently lately. And, and so she is processing it. And so we had a conversation a few days ago where it was like, so did you notice, like, she's said a few things like this. And, and so they're really... I think these are the kinds of things that parents go through, and it's nice to be able to 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 reflect on an experience with somebody else. It's helpful. It, it the I I notice. I mean, because we're a biracial family, we have you know, there's there's sexuality stuff. There's um, you know we live in different communities, so there's all these ways in which they could sort of look at our family as different, and yet they really don't. They're very matter of fact. Like the kids were at work with me today for school vacation part of the day, and and I said something to one of my colleagues, a woman, about like, oh, I just really love you, and and they both were like, Dad, you're gay, and <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes you might forget. You need the reminder. I just but so like so at home with like you know who our family is and. And who we are. I, I also think that, uh, like our older daughter at ten, is is starting to really enjoy and explore like her her biracial like being, and so she she really identifies strongly with her Ethiopian roots and and talks a lot about it and gets excited about it. So it's great, you know. They, they really are wired the way they are with coming into the world, which is my great surprise. It's like, oh. We don't get to turn them into who we want to. <laughs> They're just going to be themselves, um, just like I was and mom was. Um, yeah. And Jeff, did you sort of think about t- like preparing yourself to be a white parent of biracial children? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that the, the probably the, the big surprise for me, um, well, I, I feel as though they're – you know, like their their physical look changes all the time, and it's it's very varied. It, it it somehow elicits because again, and like as as an often single parent with them moving through the world, um, you know, when they're with me, it's it's me and them, and so people not seeing their their mom physically present make the assumption that they're adopted. But I think the great surprise for me was just how the world would perceive us, and and. And very openly respond to that. I actually had, and this happened in Provincetown, 
I had a woman say to me, my God, your daughters, they look so much alike. How did, how did you get them to look so much alike? Um, <laughs> to, to which I politely responded. I said, did you really just ask me that in front of my children? Good for you. Yeah, yeah. It was a very, um, people are, I mean, I guess I'm happy that people are intrigued enough to ask and be open-minded and to want to know more about that. But I don't always appreciate the way in which they go about it. Totally. Um, so what can others learn? Maybe what have you learned um, from co-parenting or from alternative families? Uh, what do you think is that, that others should uh, or could learn from? So if you're in the same household, and, and, and certainly if you're married or you have partners, it's, I think, like I just said before, I think there's a lot of sort of cultural pressure maybe to just do everything together. And so just, ha- just sort of having that permission to to disengage, like my partner or my co-parent has it, they have the kids, they have this, and I can just go do this other thing. Um, I think that that model, and I don't, I don't think you have to be in separate households kind of adopt that mentality a little bit. I mean, um, I think that that mindset um, probably surprises folks, certainly the of my colleagues at work that, that I'm close with and that we know about our family. Um, I think over the years they've seen that like, oh yeah, you, you know, that's not, that's not so tragic. I think when they first met me, they were really, felt really sorry for me because I didn't see my kids every night. And as they've gotten to know me, how this works, I think they, they've, they've really changed their that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, like the, the strongest thing I, we've, you know, I, I've said this often, that the I, I feel as though, you know, the, the most important people in this family are our children. And so our being healthy adults who take care of ourselves is critical to, to that equation, but it's really all about them. Like we, They didn't have a choice, we did, we brought them into the world. And too often kids are the victims of dismantling partnerships. And so, you know, it, it should almost be a, a contractual, should be the law that like you agree to these things before you bring kids into the world or you agree to them like as they're coming into the world. So that way, unless there's extenuating circumstances, you know, these things are in place and you agree to like to take care of them equally and, and, and really care for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that really made me think of what what you've both now said of that open openness, that honesty and having some of those conversations early uh, definitely seems like really important for folks who are intentionally going to be co-parenting in, in some way, because uh, there's so there's a, a thought process uh, and a preparation that goes into it. And that that communication seems like that's really important that those you talked about being really flexible and, you know, talking through things and not having conflict, that communication to me, it sounds like that's another really important piece of, of uh, a co-parenting family. I think um, absolutely. And I, but I, and I also think the fact that Jeff and I, at, at no point did we think that, you know, I was going to have the kids 80% of the time. He was going to have them 20% of the time or 60, 40. I mean, it was always understood that however we ended up living or wherever we ended up living, um, that, that they would be spending equal time with us. And that, I think, has reduced the conflict, the you know, potential for conflict tremendously. And I, I remember early on, one of my lawyer friends, when I, when I told her that Jeff and I were planning to do this, and she said, oh, okay, well, how are you going to figure out custody? And, 
I said, well, we're going to have the kids, you know, half the time. And she said, oh, it's very generous of you. Like, mm, it's generous. You know, there's sort of this bias that the mother, of course, is going to have some some outside, you know, amount of time. And it's just, it's not, I think that that would have set us up for a lot of problems and potential failure. Yeah. And, and I think that also, I, I always felt from the beginning, because we, like, even as we were discussing these things and, um, we were not always in complete agreement, but we were we agreed that we could disagree in very comfortable ways. And so we I always felt like there was no setup for that fall. Like, well, what if someday we don't agree? I was like, I'm sure we're not gonna always agree. And that's that's absolutely okay. I but I think we can disagree in really positive ways and and be open about that and have I mean we've had really good conversations that resulted in either one of us changing our mind or neither of us changing our mind, but, you know, co-parenting. And, um, you know, that we, we don't have the same set of rules in both houses. Um, and that's okay. The kids are very resilient. They understand. And, but the basic things like what, how to be good citizens and good people in the world are core to how we both um, raise them. So it's, it works. Uh, so we're almost at the end. Do you just have any final Thoughts, um, anything that this sort of sparked that I didn't ask you about already um, or possibly, you know, final thoughts for uh, any other co-parents or future co-parents out there? I just, I have to say, like, I think the early years were so busy with just raising tiny little kids that I I didn't reflect as much. But now, the older they get, the more I'm just in awe. so grateful um, that I've I've done it with Jeff. I still can't believe it. You know, we have a 10-year-old and a 7-year-old and I still like, can't believe we did it. Right. <laughs> I, I, and I would agree. It's like, the, like I keep meaning to have conversations about like, can you believe we've, we're doing this? You know, um, or we've done this, but we're still doing it and we're in the throes of it. And <laughs> every day is a different um, learning opportunity. And um, I think a great part of sharing this is that we both um, remain like teachable. Um, and that, you know, that, that's, you know, we're taught by our kids, we're taught by our experiences in the world and, and we're taught by each other. And so really like those opportunities we have to share, like, oh my God, did you observe this? Did you see this? Did, um, like, can you believe? And I think we spend a lot of time like connecting through, you know, through text and phone and FaceTime, just going like, you know, like having these moments of awe and sort of sharing them. And so, um, and they, they far outweigh the like the worry and the, the fear, at least at these young ages. Fabulous. Well, thank you both so much for sharing your time and sharing your story and your beautiful family. Again, thank you for joining us today. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Outspoken Voices. You can find Outspoken Voices on our website, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. You can find Family Equality Council at familyequality.org and on Facebook and Instagram at Family Equality and on Twitter at Family underscore Equality. Until next time, remember that love, justice, family, and equality is what brings our families together.